There we go. <laughs> Technology. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, you're listening to Ink Studs on the road. Here we are in Portland in someone's living room, sitting at a table. Kind of like this format. We've been sitting on couches and fancy places, and now we're just kind of getting you know, back to the streets. This, is, oh, especially last night uh, for listeners. Uh, I was woken up at 4.30 in the morning by blap, 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 and uh, some gunfire in the streets. And it turns out no one actually called the cops last night. So, like... You don't talk to Popo. Six up. Um, and the cops came around, and they're like, why didn't anyone call? I guess, like, eventually someone called, and so they're here all day. Um, I'm digressing. I'm sorry, Sean. No. <laughs> Uh, I'm excited. Uh, we're joined by Sean Christensen, um, Sean's work, comics work. Um, probably the main comics thing folks will know is uh, 2005, which is on the study group website, or at least the first part. Oh yeah, teeny, it's teeny parts. A little, a little sliver. Yeah, I've been really bad at keeping up with it. Um, but it's done, or it's, you have so much done. Oh yeah, I, well, I, I've got just under 200 pages done, but, but, uh, there's still quite a bit more. <laughs> There's a lot more penciled, but yeah. Uh, some of the other comics uh, that I have here, I'm figuring this one's probably an older one, Labonination. Oh, yeah, uh, or Labonotation. Yeah, yeah, that is older. Um, I don't remember when, though. Maybe like 2009 or something like that. Was that published with Guapo or support by Guapo? Oh, no, no. What's the, the um, weird thing? 2010 is the, the copyright. Whoa, really? That's yeah. a lot less old than I thought it was. <laughs> it feels older. Um, but yeah, uh, the wait, what is the sign or the symbol that you're it's looking It's like at? the weird little guy. Oh, the... Uh, oh, that. Oh, yeah, that's complicated. So um, a complicated stick man on the back cover. Yeah. Lots of E's and a C for, as a head. Yeah. What, uh, what that actually is is a real uh, uh, symbol and series of symbols uh, that make up a language that um, uh, that used to be used to, uh, like, what do you call that, to map out dance moves. Oh, interesting. So oh. if you were, um, I don't, I'm not going to remember the time span that this was predominantly used, but, but like, long ago, you would go to a school for, uh, for dance, and, uh, and then they would put symbols in those different squares mm-hmm. to tell you like direct angles and body positions and then like the arms would be like at specific angles and things and then you would learn them based on those symbols that's really fascinating i like the idea of being able to write out a dance like you would write out music yeah yeah no it's totally beautiful i got kind of obsessed with the idea after i i, I found like this really old book that was like a teaching tool on how mm-hmm. to do it and I was like oh my god this is so rad this is the answer to what my book is about and I was like <laughs> I mean it's not about dance but it's about um sort of like uh sort of like weird uh manipulations of different kinds or whatever in in that story or series of stories um and yeah. kind of a uh in a weird way it feels like the characters are constantly mapping out like the way that other people are going to interact with them and so I I figured that was probably the best title, but then it was like the least memorable title for <laughs> anyone that ever picked it up. It's like most people can't can't say it 
and then on top of that, What's like most species? people can't remember, it's just lab notation. Oh, lab notation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was I was reading I, over here. I stupidly also don't know what oh, the, the breakdown of, of the word is. The uh, yeah is the subtitle. subtitle. Yeah, I think that might have actually been the real subtitle of the book I found. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was just like, I'm just gonna That's take its whole title. This is a collaborative book. Uh, sort of, yeah. Um, in a weird way. Um, I was in a relationship that had been super artistically fruitful. Um, and like really like otherwise bad Mm -hmm. um and so i i think this was like at the exact moment where we decided we were going to get back together after like a year of not being together um i was like i have this amazing series of things that i want to put into a comic really bad and i was like i know that like this is probably like a weird time to do this, but right. but like I think I could get this thing done in two months if you wanted to draw all of the backgrounds. Right. And she was like, okay. And I was like, awesome. So I'm just going to draw the characters doing all the dialogue that they're doing. I'll tell you where they need to be and like a general set concept and then just like take it from there, please. That's really interesting. I, and I love the idea of saying, all right, we're starting up a rekindle relationship. Let's do a book about... Uh, interpersonal manipulation. <laughs> that was a lot to do with, yeah, I think I think without recognizing it immediately, that was subconsciously like the, the torment of that relationship. Is there, in reading through this, I was wondering if there's... Some that of was the, a lot like how we were both treating each other. Some of the manipulation in this almost seems positive. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ideally, like, I, I'd have a balance in there where some of it's actually for the better good. Right, and we've got somebody who's, like, one of the characters is... is is very upset with themselves, and the other character is basically trying to get them to go through like a therapeutic session. Mm-hmm. And um, and then you have the uh, the witch characters that are also like it seems incredibly negative. Oh like, man, yeah, yeah, they're <laughs> manipulative. Where it's just like yeah. I tied this person up so they um, so they uh, enjoyed playing with me more when I showed up and to feed them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I cannot remember some. Oh yeah. That was, that's a creepy, like, real story that somebody told me. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew this guy, and I won't name his name, but he uh, he had this relationship going that totally freaked me out so hard where uh, he would leave his girlfriend tied up in his room, and then he would just go on and do a bunch of stuff throughout the day outside of his house. Right. And she would just not know when he'd be back or whatever. And then he'd come back and she would like weirdly get super turned on and they would have sex and do their weird thing or whatever. And it creeped me out so much, like just a, because I knew these two people and yeah. I was like, this is so terrifying to yeah. me. And I like, like <laughs> ended up like, well, I'm never coming by your place. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh man. It freaked me out. Yeah. And I didn't know what to do with that information either. It's like, do you like, they're both into it, yeah. I guess. Like, like God she's bless not. Never yeah, she's not. This. Yeah, she's not like telling me I should call the yeah. police. Like, this is such a weird thing that I, I don't say, know what to do I with. Just, just be quick to tell Moana to turn the music off. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, or turn it way up. Can, yeah. Let's get this party going. <laughs> yeah. But the but yeah it it was weird it was can you like. Turn your music off. Oh, hold on a okay. Can you turn your music off? <laughs> we can hear in the living room and it's gonna interfere with the recording. Thanks. <laughs> sorry about that. Aww. Yeah, I brought my little sister. <laughs> That's rad. Uh, I'm sorry, what were, what were you saying? Oh, uh, um, 
Oh yeah, I guess I guess after that after that weird experience with this guy where he was kind of telling me a lot of crazy stuff all the time in his in his pretty special lifestyle. (laughs) Then I was like mentally really like getting clogged up with it. I like didn't know what to do with any of it. And I was like, people that you really liked. In the beginning, he was a very supportive person of what I was doing Mm -hmm. and was like making like nice openings for opportunities for me to like be doing slightly bigger things like I was getting to choose movies that were playing at this theater for a minute like which was super weird it was at a regal cinema too which was extra weird it's like oh what if you guys played this like really obscure French movie there was that okay (laughs) yeah exactly yeah Uh, yeah yeah there are people who figure that out I always always say that one of the worst things you can do to another person is is very clearly and sincerely tell someone who's not attracted to you what arouses you yeah that's what he's best at he's like his favorite thing to do it's like all he talks about it's really frustratingly weird Uh (laughs) it's like it's like it's like you could you could have this person who can like give you weird awesome opportunities to make like projects or whatever. But you have to, but you have to yeah, listen to their boner talk like for <laughs> hours. It's weird. Brandon. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I put it in a manila envelope and slide it over the table. If you want to read it, it's your <laughs> Now that's the earliest comic I have by you. Oh, uh, crazy. Okay. Um, do you have a lot earlier than that? Like I'm curious about kind of your background of getting into comics. Yeah, I definitely, um, let me think here. There was a, there was a really weird stint where, um, I went, so I went to an arts high school and like, when I, when I got out of that, I was in this phase where I was like, I can't make comics. I just, I just realized like there's all these boxes and I like don't know how to put things inside of them. I can like make all sorts of art. I can make drawings like nobody's business, but I can't. I can't really figure out how to harness like this like multiple image thing on a piece of paper. And so I like was like maybe I'm just like supposed to be an illustrator. Well, I'm interested why why was making comics important to you at this point? I don't know. I really yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, it's all I I mean, it was like almost all I read for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um like uh I had met like, like, early childhood, I was only reading, like, mainstream stuff, so I was reading, you know, whatever that was, whatever Batman comic came out that week, right. and, like, and, like, um, not really, like, into them, but, like, but, like, into, you know, I guess, like, God, I don't even know what I was into. I definitely kept looking at them. I'm not sure what it was about them, though, because I didn't feel like I was connecting with anything. Hmm. necessarily but like maybe i just thought that that was like all you could draw and so then, <laughs> so then i was like yeah that's that's what i have to look at so like so then i was like uh in middle school and this guy um was made to be my friend like quite literally this weird kid that i barely knew was like you have to be friends with this guy and i was like why do i have to be friends i don't even really know you and he's like <laughs> And he's like, you, you just, you need to hang out with this guy. Like, I think you guys like will understand each other. And I was like, God, this is really weird. I like didn't understand what kind of weirdo kid this was. So then I like, you know, was introduced to this guy and I didn't really get him and he wasn't talking a lot. And it was, um, I did get that we were both insanely shy and like weren't capable of communicating with each other very well. And then there was this weird moment where I was led into the library and I saw this crowd around a table and 
I saw in the center of the table was that kid that I was supposed to become friends with, supposedly. And I was like, well, that's weird. Like, this is the opposite of my experience with this guy. Yeah. And I walk over there, and I look, and all the kids were crowding around that he had redrawn some nude from, uh, like, anatomy book. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, this is what I'm supposed to like about this guy. Not the nude, <laughs> but the fact that he's, like, drawing stuff. I don't okay. know how this didn't come up. Right. And so then, like, um, so then, like, he immediately that day invites me to come over to his house. And we were, like, going to, like, look at each other's comics. And so I brought, like, a box of what I had, which was, like, this, you know, like, box of, like, mostly some Batman and some, like... Like those, whatever those like teen series of X Men style comics that were. I mean, right, not that yeah. all of them aren't teen geared, uh, but yeah. like, yeah, yeah. And so I, I had those there, and then he pulled out this box, and this box was the most incredible, still to this day, box like ever. It had Jimbo and Paradise in it. This kid, <laughs> we're, you know, we're like we're like twelve, thirteen. <laughs> Jimbo and Paradise. Oh, no. It had Tank Girl one and two, like the full yeah. graphic novels, and it had. It had some, like, not interesting, but, like, but like obviously the only, like, crumb available book that he could get. Right. And then Lobo's Back's Back and uh, Lobo and the Last Gazarnian or whatever that is. Yeah. And I'm looking through all of it. Penis elbow. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I'm looking through all of it, and I'm like, oh, my God. Like, what what are these people doing? This is amazing. Like, I was losing my mind. And then I was like, I'll give you this whole box of the stuff that I brought over for just, like, two of these. Give you all and he was like, books. no. <laughs> I was like, why not? It's so many comics. And he's like, I don't, no, no, I don't want those. And I was like, I don't understand this. There's, like, a lot of stuff that's here. I just want these two, you know, and it was like, I, wanted, really I, wanted? I, I really wanted Jimbo in Paradise, and I really wanted the, the second Tank Girl book. And, like, man, yeah, I was, like, losing it. So then, you know, we immediately, like, bonded. We watched, like, you know, like, 12 hours of MTV that night. Right. And, like, had an awesome time. with you that young. Oh, man. It made so much weird sense to me. I don't, I don't know why. Like That book especially, it's so berserk because he doesn't do the same art style two pages in a Yeah, book. no, no. I often wonder if his But work it, like, almost... thematically jumps. Right. Um... Yeah, I, I was saying I often wonder if his work almost appeals to teenagers. It would appeal to teenagers in the same way that like Rob Liefeld's work would. Whoa! Where it's just like a kid sees it and they're like, "This is closer to how I draw." It's possible, but then it's weird because in reality, like, I mean, what's re- ultimately rewarding about his work is that that yeah, I think as it as a teenager, you can relate to it because it seems rough, and you're like, "Oh man, yeah, like I can do this," right. even though you can't. And then you're like, <laughs> "But it seems like you might be able to." Uh, and then on top of that, you know, he's got this punk character that you're like, man, this is like all those dudes that I like look at all the time. And I'm like, I want to be that guy. Yeah. That guy's awesome. And like, I don't understand him. Like, how does he get away with like wearing a skirt? That's amazing. <laughs> like, it's so cool. And so then like later, you know, you grow up and you're like, oh my God, wait, no, this shit is like, like, you know, way, way upper, upper level, like craftsmanship. This guy's basically like, like Picasso. He's like. I mean, Picasso is, like, the most obvious example, I guess. But, like, but like really, like, somebody who has, like, spent so much time drawing that they've, like, honed their craft, like, so hard. And they're, like, never-endingly experimenting. That's crazy. Yeah. Like, right. like just some seriously highbrow art. It's fucking nuts. Like, yeah. Well, especially, so... like, that spread of the uh, the horse 
Dying mm-hmm. is oh, God. by far one of the most powerful. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The nuclear like explosion it's, thing or whatever. Yeah, it's so good. The experience of of essentially finding his work and being told that this was the guy that worked on Pee Wee's Playhouse, and it was mm-hmm. like I had that thread where it's like I know that I really can relate to this thing, so there has to be something in here, and digging through it and being like, all right, what's the stuff that I can connect to? Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, that was not an, an obvious connection to me right then for some reason. The first time when we were looking at that, I'm not even sure that my friend knew mm-hmm. that he had made that. And I was like totally blown away later. Especially because like not only did I not recognize that like these two humans were the same guy, mm-hmm. but like on top of that, like I wasn't aware that like Pee Wee's Playhouse was, was like an award winning show in any way. So right. then like n- learning that like Weirdly, this like bizarro cartoonist had won like a like an Emmy or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it was extra weird. You're like, what? How is this a real person? This is unimaginable. But also really encouraging. You know, you're like, okay, cool. Like, I can do this. I do feel like reading <laughs> reading your work that there is a tie to some of the stuff in there because both in Jimbo and uh, and the Tank Girl, they're they're kind of uh, meandering stories in a way. It seems more about the process than about uh, an A, B, and C plot. Yeah. That was something I really enjoyed about reading the, uh, reading your, your work too. It was just how we weren't in a rush to get anywhere. It seemed like you're just having fun on the pages. Yeah, no, I, I forget that I'm, I'm uh, like mostly conceptually interested in things. So I like end up making bodies of work that have, like a large amount of process thought in there and then and then ultimately like the the end result is that I'm hoping that I gave you a series of feelings but then like I don't remember until later on somebody's like it's weird like I like how it ends but it doesn't really have an end mm-hmm. and I'm like oh yeah it doesn't really have a plot either <laughs> I forgot that that's <laughs> right. it, like it it doesn't actually seem necessary to me to have any of those things but well it seems like a falsehood sometimes because you know, how many days of your life have a plot? Yeah, yeah, none of them. Man, I hope not anyway, because that would be horrible. Like, right. <laughs> <laughs> what's what's, in the, what's this in the character is, This is an awful month? plot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wait till today ends. <laughs> <laughs> I was interested, the other thing I wanted to go back to in this is... Um, oh, yeah. Is the characters talking about the alternate uh, versions of themselves that might be watching them, and then these other characters that show up that appear to be alternate versions of them living a, a similar... A similar thing, and I, I really enjoyed that you didn't feel a need to hand that information to the reader. You're reading this thing, and there's three, essentially three storylines going on, but two mm-hmm. of them are kind of similar. Yeah, and and you're you're tasking the reader with figuring that out because you know it's. I don't know. Was was that a concern for your viewers at all in your work? Is to convey the ideas you want, or are you? Yeah, no, certainly. Like, um, not in like a, not in like a, I'm like handing it straight to them sort of a way. I'm, I'm, uh, I kind of, I guess, I guess forever I've really felt like the only strong, like, quality in my work that I am, am like confident in is that I, I feel like, uh, as long as I trust the connectivity that I'm feeling inside of an idea that I'm having with another idea. Right more than likely on a really visceral level other human beings are going to connect to it even if it's not something they've experienced i think that they're going to like un- like understand a feeling right. of it or whatever like they're not um necessarily going to be able to relate or 
or even like um, fully understand it immediately, I mm-hmm. guess. But like, but like, they're gonna like get the feeling of it. Is I that think. something you ever question? Because that seems like yeah. a very bold way to produce yeah. work. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. It's 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 not, yeah, it's maybe not the smartest thing to do. No, but, I, I, um, I really, really appreciate it as a reader because I get very tired of being told Spider-Man's origin again and really like to, <laughs> like to read things like I'm an adult who can understand yeah, the yeah, who, comics. And so it's, it's, it's so... And, and reading your work, uh, the the closest comparison that I mentioned to Robin was, was Tom Herpick's work. No, I don't know no. if I know who that is. He, he works on, uh, he's one of the guys in Adventure Time. Oh, okay. Who does a lot of side work. Um, he did, um, one of the Meat House guys, um, Godwanadon, Yeah, Cusp, Godwanadon, and, uh, White Clay. And, and, mm. and I'm not even expecting that you're influenced by him, it was just he's a, he's a smart guy who does things that are not handed to the reader. Oh, that's right. And he does a, yeah. he did a story in, uh, his first book, Cusp, which is a, basically about these characters all traveling out to look at this thing and he never shows the he never shows the reader what the thing they're looking at and they're just like oh i've never been this close to it before yes. and they're all checking it out and and this feels like an emotional version of that wow <laughs> <laughs> no that's excellent i love that idea no, that sounds super good like uh yeah i guess i'm in a weird way i'm also like super into that suspension though of like of like having the reader like really want to know mm-hmm. something, right? And maybe even never giving it to them, because <laughs> right. ultimately whatever they're whatever they're conjuring in the back of their mind anyway of what that what that end result or thing yeah. is is like so much more personalized for them that right. they're gonna it's like, like what you made them do. <laughs> yeah, I think that's really really it's important. Um, do you feel like do you feel like when you make the work that you're making it uh, like do you do you think about who your audience is and who the people that might pick it up? Hmm. I've stopped thinking about it lately. Uh, and by lately, I mean like maybe in the last like couple of years. Because mm-hmm. I've been having this like weird... Um, I, I think I'm getting back on that bandwagon again, which I kind of regret. I wish I wasn't. But I'm having this like awkward situation right now where I have like finally like produced what i feel like is like the biggest halfway mark section of the longer work that i'm doing the 2005 um and i was like i really need to just put a lot of effort into having this thing finally published and maybe i need to poke the person a little bit more right now and tell them okay i'm i'm ready Mm -hmm. to like have a book out um that that i was sure that was gonna publish it because it seemed you know i'd been basically working on it with them in mind the entire time because they were like we want to publish your next book like this one's just too short the one that they originally saw right um so now i've handed them the half and they're like this is i don't think this is our thing and so i'm like oh (laughs) i was like wait a minute how can it not be anyone's thing this is terrible and so i'm thinking about that again now where i'm like okay like who reads this sort of thing what is this thing is that, this a thing? I don't know. <laughs> it really what it makes is. me think of like the idea of how I'm very adamant about about publishers having to back creators rather than books. Yeah, and how sometimes me too. It makes the most sense. Yeah, it's like the idea of someone being an interesting creator and then producing oh, something that's important to them with a body of work 
and it not being worth publishing seems ridiculous. Yeah, it doesn't make sense at all. Yeah, I mean, someone has to trust that the creator whose vision they trusted in the beginning or whatever is probably doing something interesting. It's just not the thing that you first saw. Right, certainly. Do you feel like the work that you're doing with 2005 is definitely in a way different direction than what other people might have been familiar with Mm. beforehand? Hmm. Oh, in just in my work or in general? In in your work. Um, no, I don't think it's too unfamiliar. I feel like um, it's got a lot of similar like emotional ups and downs in like a in like a weird, absurd way. But then, um, I'm also seemingly incapable of making work that doesn't have music involved in it in some way. Which, is, which is like a problem, or even art making. Like, I have a, I have such a hard time making characters that aren't actually also making stuff, because it's kind of like time travel. It's like I'm actually making two bodies of art at the same time. Okay. I'm making human beings who are making other things that I want to be making, part and of in turn, you, I'm making them. Is part of that, you just making uh, work that relates to how you spend your days as well. Yeah, 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 a lot. Yeah, I mean, I have a day job, but like, but most of the time, I'm I'm like working on various different art projects. Although Grid Lords, the, the show that I put on, is taking up so much more of that time than I would like. But, I how mean, many, it's rewarding, too. How many Grid Lord shows have you guys done by now? I, I think I just finished drawing a poster for the 26th one. So And that's two shows in the future. So I think I think we're on 20, 25 will be this month. Wow. Yeah. Oh, that started, what, two years ago? Yeah, I think so. I I that the timeline is weird in my mind because uh, the there was one show just before it, the first show that was basically exactly like a Grid Lords. Well, let's go back and, and explain. Oh what yeah, Grid yeah. Lords is, I'm, I'm <laughs> Oh yeah, sorry. Well, yeah, but... <laughs> yeah. We're making weird giant leaps, but um, uh, Grid Lords is like a uh, a weird baby. It's like I I have this like strong desire to be doing a lot of performative arts and that's like a thing that I've always loved and and had like in my life in small ways um and because that involves like having an audience that wants to watch you do things and that involves like usually having to interact with more than one person that's not you yeah um it's a lot harder to get that going. Right. Like, you know, the wonderful part about being a cartoonist is that you can either, like, not talk to anyone ever and just make this stuff, <laughs> or yeah. or you, like, you know, you're, you're going to do a different thing. So, like, this performance aspect is super important to me, um, and I had sort of neglected it for a really long period of time. Um, and then I got to be in a band with the guy who the 2005 storyline is loosely based on Hmm. um and i was like like really happy whenever i would get on stage and i would and i was like the lead singer of this band and that's weird because i can't sing and like and i was like this is a performance act like i'm fooling everyone like (laughs) i can't sing there's auto-tune on my voice i can't play an instrument that guy's doing that like this is amazing like and i was so happy yeah and it was all charisma and it was all like literally a show like i'm putting on an act and I'm telling stories with the music in some weird way. Hmm. And like, and I'm like, this is so good. I feel really like supernatural at this, like nervous, but supernatural. So like, um, so I was like, I gotta figure out how to do this. And then there was like a lull of like a year. And then I did another comics reading for the first time in a really long time. Like I hadn't done a comics reading in a couple of years. And 
and I was like, oh yeah, like this is kind of the same, but it's not quite the same, but it's almost the same. And I was like, it seems like there's got to be like a hybrid version where the more multimedia arts that I'm interested in could like be a stronger portion of this, mm-hmm. like not just reading and sometimes reading with music or, uh, or an like, overhead projector. And yeah. And... Yeah, exactly. It's like there, I think there can be so much more going on. And so I, I did a comics reading, uh, that was a benefit to get some of the spark plug books off, uh, and, uh, into the world again that were needing backing. And after I finished doing that, I was super drunk and was feeling awesome. And I was like, man, I did a great job. (laughs) (laughs) And like, was so happy about it. And this, uh, weirdo new friend in my life came up and he was like, this is really such a wonderful feeling. He's like, everybody's really into this. And, and I love everything that's happening. It's too bad that this isn't just like a regular event that happens uh-huh. every month or whatever. And he, and I was like, man, or every day. And he was like, well. <laughs> and I was like, wait, do you want this to happen? And this is what happens when I'm super drunk. And I'm like, do you want this to happen every month? I'm going to make this happen every month. And so then I like went over to the bartender guy who I know owns the place. And I was like, I, I want to do this next month and then every month from here out. Nice. And, he, and I was like, probably until I die. And he was like, okay. In six months. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And he was like, okay, no problem. And so then he set up a date that night, which I didn't remember and had to call back about. But then, (laughs) and then uh, I put together, you know, a show and quickly a group, which was weird because the, what, what was humorous about that night is that something really beautiful was going on that evening, obviously. Something about the group of people that read and the vibe of the entire thing mm-hmm. was obviously super inspiring because mm-hmm. Emily uh, Nilsson, uh, who's, who's one of my closest friends, like uh, who had set that one up or whatever, she called me in the morning too and was like, hey, so you are for sure like going to set up another show and you're going to like do this indefinitely, right? And I was like, yeah, yeah. And she's like, well, I've now had two other people like ask me if I wanted to do that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, but Sean is, and he's already doing it, so you should probably talk to him about it. And then, and then later, like, Emily was like, actually, I do want to be, like, a big part of this. Like, I'd like to help orchestrate these things. And so there were, I think, four of us at the beginning, and then five. And then, like, my personality is weird because I'm very, like, encouraging, but then, like, when people aren't living up, to what I think that they're supposed to be doing or, like, pushing themselves, I get, like, really intense to a terrible fault. I'm, I become, like, a, tor- a horrible monster. And so, like, so like I basically upset two people, and they left, and that's fine. Uh, like, they're doing awesome work now. So, I, like, I think it's for the best. Like, probably yeah. weren't meant to be doing this thing. But, like, um, but it's been really strong with the three people now. And one of them wants to be remain sort of like a... Uh, sort of like a spirit, not like a person that they know that everyone knows as part of it. And then Emily is definitely my co-host or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, but for the most part, I'm doing most almost all the planning, um, at this point, which is takes up a lot of time. Um, so it's basically like, sorry, I got way off task, no, but it's no, like a true. show where performance art and a lot of comics, mm-hmm. but I don't want it to be. And like predominantly comics, okay. Um, just because I want there's something nice when you bring comics artists into it, and then they get to see somebody who only does performance art, mm-hmm. 
or vice versa. They see people who are doing comics and then see what happens between the two of them afterwards is super nuts. Like I've had some really like beautiful situations now where, you know, certain cartoonists have like seen something and they were like, Oh my God, like I would never have thought that this was possible. Mm -hmm. And then the next thing, you know, like they want to do something a few months away and they've done this like huge production. That's like the most insane thing that I couldn't have even seen coming. And then vice versa. Similarly, like there's like a few like super weirdo artists that have now like tried to make some like, you know, like narrative, like, like art piece or whatever that could be a book but it's still a little bit weirder than a book even. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I'm like, this is great. Like, it's totally influencing different work or whatever, which is nice. It's I, I get really excited by people that want to kind of, like, really push those boundaries of expectation. Like, yeah. Are, are you familiar with uh, Repair Mulot no. in France? you got to check that shit out. Is that the... It's another... The brothel comic? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? It's they like... they have done a whole bunch of different experimental stuff. Like, um, they had an art show in Brooklyn for one of the Brooklyn comic art festival things. Mm-hmm. And um, they had the this comic on the wall, and you could... Part of it was uh, a record that would spin, so you'd take that record off and put it on a record player and then watch the, the movement... They Whoa. had a, a thing of Spider-Man. Oh, what was the Spider-Man thing? Oh, was it Spider-Man? It's been a web any size. Uh, <laughs> no, it was Spider-Man in just a circus. It was just like black and white with like the red Spider-Man. It was really neat. Weird. They had this thing where these dice were puking on a record player. Um, really fragile piece, but you just like you push a button and strobe light would go off and the record would move and these like dice would like puke paper. Whoa, nice. That, and that this, makes no sense. In I know it's super it's super like, cool that like, like that stuff is possible yeah, even that people can like, like make a thing that, you like, can't describe. We could understand. And these dice were puking. They yeah, were puking. You know, they were just puking paper. paper. Like you see the paper yeah. come out and uh all right, all right, why not? And the brothel thing was it was what was it? It was a it was a was it a group thing where it was basically like a, a brothel where the different prostitutes were different cartoonists. So the female prostitutes... That makes a lot of sense. ...were female, uh, mostly autobio cartoons in France, and the Johns were men, autobio men, and uh, Louis Trondheim was the bouncer. Whoa. And they uh, they were do- they did a big show uh, at Angoulême one year, and you could look at the comic um, through peepholes in a curtain, um, really like particular way and it's really interesting there's one with um what happens if you want to visit a male autobiographical cartoonist as a we're not going to get in the heteronormative issues right now all right (laughs) we can say there are heteronormative issues all right i'm just saying i got needs and (laughs) okay (laughs) um the one with keeloffer and anu richard Mm -hmm. like keeloffer if you've read his stuff he's just like really aggressive male guy yeah draws all his comics like with him just naked all the time and a new richard does like really delicate children's type stuff mm-hmm. and i don't think she's actually autopilot but their thing is really interesting because he's like this caveman with her and it's like i don't think they have sex at all. i don't think anyone has sex with each other but it's just like the relationship really weird it's like i did a comic yeah. about you guys having sex yeah or, well no they they all draw their own okay comics like it's not like i'm gonna draw lewis tron lewis tronheim drew himself as the bouncer and so it's like this kind of weird epic conceptual jam comic weird that's a great idea 
Did he get to choose himself as the bouncer in it? I think it was just one of those, like, that's the statesman type thing. Okay, because I could see a way of being like, I don't want to, uh, how do I distance myself from, from a, from a uh, sex worker situation with any of my peers? <laughs> yeah. Um, their latest book is, uh, you actually have to cut it to read it, and it's about surgery. So you have to, like, cut oh, that, the, that's really and interesting. it, un, you know, reveals itself as you cut further into the book. Oh, wow. I think I can kind of picture how that would work. There's so much stuff. I always think about the, uh, there's a Matt Howarth comic about time travel. Uh, a guy continuously meeting himself. And the way that you read it is you cut it out into a Mobius strip. So it oh, yeah. endlessly reads. Oh, that's excellent. But I was interested in, in, in putting it on your shows because the, the closest thing that I could think of, which is a, a much simpler version of that, is the, the Von Baudet cartoon concerts. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with those at all? Yeah, a little bit, yeah. Yeah, I mean, mostly... Not that any of us were alive during those. No, <laughs> no, no, but only only recently that came up, because I, um, I met uh, Lyra, who does Brain Frame in mm-hmm. Chicago this year, um, and so we were, like, epically commiserating on, on our shows, and that one, that one came up at least once or whatever, and I had not previously known anything about it. But yeah, no, it sounds crazy. Yeah. It's good. I remember uh, Dave Sim talking about how it... It ruined the comic, uh, the Cheech Wizard comic for him because the, the voice was like W.C. Fields. So Whoa. That's not what he sounds like. Yeah, yeah. You know. What's the, uh, now I'm trying to think of a W.C. Fields voice. <laughs> Children should yeah. be seen and not heard. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I'm drunk. Yeah, that's, that's his whole thing. <laughs> yeah, we were getting kind of off. off Sorry, I'm off. drunk. So in, in, in 2005, did you... Did you start it, or do you do you often start your work with a clear idea of where it's of where it's going? Oh yeah, no, I mean this one was this one was pretty mapped out. It's got sort of like a, a script or whatever that I I follow in like a like a narrative sense or whatever that means in my work, but like um, but not um, in a I don't give myself too much visual directive because I want it to be fun like in in some way because I'm already like drawing and then light boxing everything so it's you know two steps of drawing the same thing more than once anyway how, how so big are you drawing the originals oh they're actually humorously um only five by seven okay they're, yeah they're so I, was, I was wondering in reading yeah. these too like how what a book of these would be like is like a little <laughs> pocket-sized archie thing yeah no i'm i'm kind of obsessed with the pocket-sized book it's a thing that i think is like almost almost perfect it's weird though because occasionally like I'll see a book that couldn't fit in your pocket, but it's like this big or something like that, right. and I'm like, like, oh, that's so like close. such a gorgeous dimension. But oh, at the really? same time, I'm like, you could never just tote that around though, because like my backpack ends up just full of books, mm-hmm. and so I think my dream idea is that everyone's books are so small that I can carry all of them in my backpack. Yeah, imagine selling a, yeah. a thing that was like a backpack that comes with comics for every pocket. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, but I'll, yeah, I'll get on it. Uh, yeah, get on that. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's interesting because I, I have almost an opposite thing where when I when I'm, I'm I'm fairly slow and I would produce these books and and I was working for a publisher at one point that would publish them like paperback size mm. and uh, and it was important to me to get it bigger because I was like that's that's like uh, you know that's like two years of my life let's like yeah it's got to look little... big yeah, yeah exactly and maybe that's an ego thing or <laughs> but it's interesting uh, I mean there's a lot of that coming from things that have really connected with you comics wise. Hmm. Gosh. Because it does seem to tie into kind of zine culture. Yeah, that aspect of it is weird to me. Because um, I don't, I don't think, 
what I remember, what I remember in in zine culture coming across more than anything was uh, that that let me know why they were doing it was I would come across ones that you know were like almost thumbnail size, mm-hmm. and you'd be like, oh, weird, a really tiny book, and then and then I'd be and I'd be like, I guess this is supposed to be cute or something, <laughs> and then right. like, but then then I'm like, oh wait, no, they're doing this because it's super cheap to produce this or okay. whatever. You know, they they can make yeah. a bajillion of those for no no money at all. And so then, like, it occurred to me later, I had already made these, and I was like, or this size, because I like the size or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and because I'm not, like, super mathematically inclined, I was just like, I should just make a book that's just, like, half of a normal piece of paper or whatever. Yeah. And so um, it didn't occur to me that that was, like, super cost-efficient also right away. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is saving me a lot of money. And then... Like, you know, now that's definitely, like, a prize of it. Where I, when I think about making something bigger, I'm like, oh, no. No, it's going <laughs> to cost so much money. Right. It's a terrible idea. And so, like, I tend to not. But hmm. but um, but I don't recall actually owning any comics of that size oh, for a long time. Like, I mean, now there's mountains of them. It's weird. It's, yeah. like, definitely, definitely, like, because it's so cost-efficient to make them that way. Like I see. Like the oily comics. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Those guys or... Like, I guess um, a lot fake. of Edie Fake... That's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> Edie's, Edie's stuff is... Uh, is A lot of it's that way now. Um, the Little Buddies books and all those are all pretty little. Or same size, just, like, stapled the other direction. But um, but I think I think I just like like how you hold those and how they sit in a... Like, that they can actually fit in a pocket is totally amazing to me. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, it's super weird. Like, what went into the planning of, like, pocket sizing? Like, it's weird that, like, this exact thing fits in there. Yeah. <laughs> Somewhere like, there's a tailor. Yeah. I can't he's like, wait for mini comics. Yeah, I can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> One day, <laughs> all the world's best work is going to fit in here. Interesting. No, yeah. I want to ask about the title of 2005. Oh, yeah. That's a... it was also a book that was started in, what, 2012? Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's a... Uh, uh, it's a, it's, it's a, it's sort of like a, a mind thing for me. Um, I think, I think a lot about trying to remain as like positive and, and awesome as possible. And I'm not really most of the time in reality, I'm probably a terrible negative monster and, but I, you know, I'm striving to get awesome all the time. So like I was thinking when I was making this thing, I was like I'm making this book and ultimately it's about like this vastness that inspiration comes from Mm -hmm. and i'm like and like all of the excitement that comes with all of the different like ups and downs of that those discoveries that you make along the way and then discovery and i'm like discovery is like the ultimate feeling nothing Mm -hmm. is rather than discovery and then i'm thinking discovery discovery is the best album by daft punk (laughs) and then i was like and then i was like no it's not and then i was like you know when was the last time I got super excited about purchasing a record? It was Daft Punk, and it was when Human After All came out. And I was like, I was like, man, 2005 was a fucking amazing year for me. I was like, just out of a horrible relationship, everybody was like really amazing around me all of a sudden again. Like, different friendships had rekindled. I was like really high on this like mega creative zone Mm -hmm. i was like making a mountain of stuff at that time i was suddenly doing like mountains of gallery shows 
and then like within a short period of time thereafter I had met the guy um who is in uh, like the, the is loosely head? oh the other guy no okay. actually it's the guy with the head that looks like the ship from uh, Flight of the Navigator um <laughs> there this one and so yeah I uh you're not leak you leak <laughs> yes exactly I um I had I had met that guy just a short while after and we were like getting really weird together like talking a lot about music and not collaborating musically but I'd be around and I would like tell him ideas and stuff that I had musically and he would sort of like get excited and make more stuff and just lots of inspiration just shooting off of every direction with all the people around me and I was like that was a, an amazing year what I need to do is go at this storyline thinking like this is 2005 <laughs> like awesome. this is a really great year where like like this rad stuff is coming from um I mean, you know, I'd like to say that there's, like, some kind of numerology involved in there or something, but I haven't actually looked into that. <laughs> but, like... I feel like it's enough. It's like you don't... Yeah. It's like you, you've taken us through, <laughs> this, uh, through this personal idea of what that means to you, and you're just like, but I, but I wish there was more tied to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, yeah, ultimately, it's just, like, um, I'm kind of super inspired by taking things that mean something positive to me mm. and and, like sucking it dry of its like of its like like beauty or whatever mm -hmm. like the the main comic that anybody knew before these ones uh was this thing called Miranda Baby and it was about a a girl who like didn't leave her room very much and she was kind of always sorting through super uh internal things mm -hmm. over the phone with a person that you never see um, who, like, we're not even sure, like, what sex they are, which is super fun for me because I've had people give me, like, super detailed descriptions of what that person is like as mm -hmm. though they, I've told them, and they, like, are, like, blowing my mind because it's, like, not how I yeah. actually envisioned that person. I'm like, God, I love this so much. It's so <laughs> rad that, like, people can, like, make this up so much. Right, and that's and, a connection they're making with yeah, them, too. Yeah, and it's super personal, you know? It's, like, somebody that really probably existed for them in reality that they're basing them on, you know? Like, somebody I would never know. Mm -hmm. It's super rad. But with that book, um, I had come up with this concept where I would take um, this album that I loved um, and take its CD case. This was when I was like kind of obsessed with the idea that the CD format was dying out or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was like, I'm gonna take this jewel case to the this album that I love so much, and I'm gonna use whatever positive feeling that is from this album just mm -hmm. by getting to have it in my presence all the time, getting mm -hmm. to like look at it. I'm gonna trace the the circumference of it, and then I'm gonna make this comic inside of that. Nice. You know, it's bordering my thought, and so then. Um, then I was making all the Miranda babies in that weird jewel case <laughs> <laughs> format or whatever. That's cool. Yeah, it was fun. And, like, ultimately I felt like it, it definitely, like, pushed all of my ideas in a, in a specific direction, which was nice. Like, I think most of those comics ended up, like, in one way or another kind of uplifting, even though they were, like, weird subject matter. So do you, like, in, in working on comics that are so tied to music, do you have albums that you would specifically put on to work to or or is it mm. like do you go back to 2005 in more ways than just the title oh like like uh like going back and listening to stuff from that era for that mm -hmm. uh yes but not intentionally 
I, I have found <laughs> I have found a lot of times when I sit down to get really focused on just it, and I'm like, don't mess around with like other ideas you've got right now. Just get back on the bandwagon with this thing. Right. Um, because there's really like actually a lot of penciled pages that just haven't been inked yet. So like there's that nagging at me, but then there's the other parts that just haven't been made, and so like, um, I'll sit down and I'll totally like super coincidentally like grab um you know like like that that Daft Punk album and put it on without thinking about it and Mm -hmm. start listening to it and just get really excited or um trying to remember like it's weird actually because so many of them are not obvious to me Mm -hmm. they're totally subconscious um so I'm not weirdly able to conjure more than that at the exact moment but like but like normally I swear my hands will just go to one stick it on and then I'll be like, man, this thing is so good. And then I'll like look at the back of it again, and I'll be like, oh, weird. That's totally another two thousand five like <laughs> like <laughs> release. Like, that how was, did that? that your how did that happen? Yeah. The, but the I do is... actually listen to so much though in reality that like right. that like that's really weird. Like I, <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty all over it's the place. Like, like manifesting. Yeah. The, the characters in the book having. Um, you know, several of the characters having non-humanoid faces. Mm-hmm. Um, is, is that tied at all to Daft Punk? Having the robot? Uh, I think... Um, I've been terrified of this question my whole uh, my whole life making this thing. Well, they, they but, worked off yes. need for their looks anyway. So oh, so all... many things, yeah. Um, or not, well... Okay. Have you seen this specific Sid Mead picture? That you're like, why is Daft Punk in this picture painted in 1973? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, it's it's crazy. I mean, there's uh, that era in particular like produced fan, a mountain of stuff. Yeah, and then no, totally. <laughs> but no, the I'm kidding. Nobody was a big Tron. No, fan. no. <laughs> I'm sorry. But yeah, no. There's um, there's a there's a funk musician that donned this like strange helmet or whatever, and even had like a background story about like losing his face or mm-hmm. something along that line. And I'm. I feel really lame well, that like I can't produce his name. Parliament Funkadelic family, or uh, yeah, no, actually, yeah, totally. That um, would make he was sense. like one of the you know thirty or forty humans that came through their span of records. But yeah, um, he he didn't work with them very much. I think he was only on one album, and his name is also like a number. It's like it's like something five thousand. It's like a an M M name. I can't think of it at all right now. Like it's not Maxwell, but it's something Machine Man. No, yeah, totally. But then, but yeah, there's so many things, and then there's obvious. There's like the Phantom of the Paradise, which they have already like on record said is like the thing that inspired everything they've done, and yeah. so on. But like, but yeah, I think um, for me, they were uh, a large part of me getting into dance dance music as as an idea or whatever um, in my in my early teens or whatever, mm-hmm. and I was definitely super into them. Um, be- before they were robots and then after, and into them as like, like a symbol of what's possible. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> well, I mean, just also just like the fact that they decided like this is something that we can do. Like, why why do we just need to be a band that people like as a you know as like a pretty guy or something yeah. like that? Like, we don't need to just be some pretty boys. And those two are pretty attractive dudes. They're not like I didn't even know like they. Oh, yeah, yeah, they've got real faces. And it's weird, they're not, like, they're totally, like, French-style, like, suave-looking dudes. They're not, you know, they don't need to be hiding themselves. And, like, they 
they totally just are like, let's just make this like a big production where like we can we can be robots, whatever. Which at this point's kind of worked out well for them because yeah. they have that personal anonymity still. So yeah, they can age. They can have people become Daft Punk later after they're dead and I never did just die. see Kraftwerk that only had one original yeah. member. <laughs> I almost I was almost gonna do that myself. Actually, I like got super. Um, nicely invited to go do that in Seattle and I really wished I had done that Uh, I saw I saw those guys on their tour in 2005 that blew my mind they were there were two of them it was so man I will never experience something that powerful it was a religious experience yeah me too yeah I just like totally lost it I didn't want it. I didn't want to do anything else. I just wanted them to keep doing that. Speaking of robots, they actually <laughs> yeah. pulled the robots on yeah. the stage. Yeah, yeah, the old ones from the seventies were out there, just totally doing their like really <laughs> slow moves. So it was so of, good. A lot of the music that inspires your work is it is a lot of it electronic. I I want to say no, but that's a lie. Because I'll be like, I'll be like, I'll be like, oh my god, everybody, you guys have got to hear this like amazing album by so and so, who's like this crazy Vietnamese lady, and I'll put it on, and they're like, man, you just can't get away from drum machines, and I'm like, what? It? Oh yeah, <laughs> all of these songs have drum machines. And this is from 2005. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, yeah. But no, like, I was just having this like, like, yeah, weird thing with that the other day because I'm I'm in the middle of moving and I got really dumb and was like I'm gonna set my stereo up first <laughs> so I set my stereo up in my room and I was like oh yeah I just downloaded all of this amazing music that's um these like Vietnamese uh like regional like vocalist award winners nice and like like they have these competitions that are like early versions of American Idol right mm-hmm. like they have different yeah. regions in Vietnam and all the ladies and men come together and like and like they're all competing to be the best singer and so they all sing like you know um standards or whatever for their for their country and like the best vocalist male or female wins and then they what they win is like with a bunch of studio musicians they get to record some songs not written by them yeah and the album gets put out with their face on it right? right and so like but like ultimately these things are made really cheaply so a lot of them are like there's like a person maybe for reals playing some Asian string instrument but then there's like a drum machine and two synthesizers and like it's all like really beautiful like having this like old old song right next to all this like weird stuff that's just meant to be cheap but really it's like it's like here's like the future of music and the past of music for you guys like thoughtlessly like clan together it's so cool Uh but I was listening to that the other day and my new roommate was like, what are you listening to? And I'm, like, explaining that <laughs> it's like, oh, it's this awesome, like, Vietnamese, like, like you know, like, folk music. And she's like, there's a synthesizer and a drum machine. This is not... And I'm like, oh, no, you don't understand. It's still folk music. Like, like just no matter what, I guess there's some electronic element. Yeah, I can't, I can't get away from it. I mean, I'm definitely, like, super into that stuff, and it's probably the, the base root of anything that I'm into musically. But... Um, but I don't know. I listen to a lot of stuff. I mean, 
Yeah, I don't know. I guess even like some of the Indian music that I'm super into, mm-hmm. it sounds even though it's much older, like it's mimicking like modern right. synthesizer work because it's really complex. Yeah, it's more scales than we use, and so it sounds like IDM or whatever because mm-hmm. it's and it has the amazing drums. Mm-hmm. Yeah, way amazing drums. Well, is there a yeah. tie between you getting into that early on, like the way that you discovered comic books? Is there a mm-hmm. is there an exciting? Did mm-hmm. you bring over a case full of Aria yeah. Speedwagon and someone else had? No, yeah, it was totally. <laughs> It was totally a similar experience. Like, uh, so my the same guy. Uh, what I what I should explain is this guy grew up in um, uh, in Hawaii for the first half of his or not first half, but uh, until he was you know the same age that I met him, like in the second year of middle school, right. and which I can't remember what age that is now, but it's like whatever twelve or something mm-hmm. or thirteen, and um, uh, he comes over to my house and I've got. I'm trying to remember how that worked. I, I had, I think at that time I had some boys to men. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And I had some kind of like current, like whatever, like alternative thing. I don't even remember which one. Like there were Soul so many chain. bad things. Oh man, no, that wasn't one of my gigs. <laughs> but like, no but, but like, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, but you know, some something related to that, I'm sure. And so then what he brought over is he had these like Nine Inch Nails CDs, and I was like, those are really good, and hadn't listened to them weirdly yet, and, or him. And then like, I'm trying to remember what else he brought over. There was some other like super important development. Oh, I think it was the first Bjork album. And so we were like, we were like, okay, what you're listening to, I think is way radder. And I think that we can get radder than this. Yeah. And we weirdly had this like very straightforward like conversational concept. I, I, it's like weird to imagine being a kid and like thinking this way because I don't know like I don't know like I, I guess he's like thought that he's had Aspergers and we won't get into that or whatever. But it seems to me like a very mechanical thought process. Yeah. For this guy to come up with this concept and like it's funny to think that I've always just been so willing to experiment that like when he would come up with these things, I'd just be like, let's do this. So that was the big boom when music stores were doing that thing where you could go and listen to any album on CD at their listening station. It's like, you know, previously that didn't exist. It was just exactly at that time that started. And so he was like, what we should do is you and I will pick genres of music that we will be into from now on. And... (laughs) We will go to the music store that has the most listening stations, and we will go there, and we will wade through a bunch of music in the two genres that we will now like, uh-huh. and um, we will start getting into that. Yeah. And I was like, okay, what should it be? And I was like, and I was like, I'm kind of like in this electronic zone that I'm getting off of those Nine Inch Nails and the Bjork album. Yeah. And I was like, I think I could get into that. And he's like, okay, then I'm going to choose jazz. And I was like, right on. So then we go there. Yes. <laughs> we go there and we picked like we picked like maybe like five dance albums out based entirely off of album artwork. Nice. And then he picked uh, you know, about the same amount, uh, jazz wise. And I have to say, humorously, the dance music that we picked ended up totally sticking forever. The jazz music was like this band Heavy Shift, which was like a current at that time, like mid nineties, like like 
like pop jazz group oh, you would yeah. say or whatever it was pretty it wasn't very good mm-hmm. um, like post swing yeah yeah absolutely oh jesus yeah and we like not timeless no not at all and we could totally we at that exact time we could see like some merit in it we were like this is good like it's probably the best that they can do <laughs> or something so like so like we were listening to that a lot and whatnot um but it's weird you know it was like funny looking back now too and knowing that like all those formative groups that have made a generation of human beings excited and and like a new generation of human beings like they're like oh man have you heard the old Aphex Twin music? <laughs> it's like, it's like, whoa, weird. Like that is the first, th- one of the first things that I bought. And it was like one of the first things available in the United States of his. Like, weird. it's weird to yeah. know that I just accidentally just jumped in there. I was watching an interview with Skrillex and like, they're talking about, oh man, remember Square Pusher? <laughs> remember, I yeah. went to a show he didn't show up to. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah. Remember, that's the new music I'm listening to. Exactly. It's so weird. But but yeah, like that was that was where uh, I guess I, I came into that same guy, like just the two of us having these weird things where we were just throwing out ideas and then suddenly being in love with these new things. A little bit idea of just like we're gonna be into this now. You are into this. I'm into this. That feels like it feels like kind of a children's book author that was really out of touch with children or write a story. Yeah, totally right. Yeah. It's weird. It's really endearing. Well, and he kind of was. I mean, that was the funny thing about this guy that made all this possible is that he was growing up in Hawaii, and his parents are very um, relaxed about what what he's looking at. You know, if it's like got like content that is like maybe like way gnarly questionable they might have like had a conversation with him about it but they'd still let him have it as long as they knew that he was like thinking about it Mm -hmm. and was like yeah that thing that's (laughs) happening that's really gross that's not appropriate in in real life you know i understand that you're reading these penthouse for the comic books but you gotta talk about the pictorials yeah 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 it's weird huh the letters Hmm. Dear 2005, yes. I can't believe what happened to me. Yes, but yeah, no, it's so it was so weird. Like, and like you know, I on behalf of him got really lucky. Where like we would be in a comic store with my parent or whatever, and like you know, we would both bring up these things that we really wanted, and they weren't for kids. And like the cart, the you know, the comic book person who was wearing the no censorship T-shirt would right. be like, "You can't buy these," <laughs> and we'd be like, "Why not?" And you turned around, and yeah, like, and then my dad, some exceptions, exceptions. yeah, exactly, and then my dad would be like, "You can't buy these." Do you also, remember any of those titles? Oh yeah, I mean, we were we were getting really into like the earlier, like super early Dave Cooper stuff. So like those, oh yeah. Yeah, those like really gnarly like Cynthia pedals or whatever oh, the hell. Oh yeah, that's yeah. yeah. You can't buy those now. No, <laughs> yeah, you still can't buy them now. Yeah, <laughs> and I mean I can't actually even stomach those now. But like at the time we were like, wow, look at this like cross hatching. It's fucking insane. Right. Like look how does a human do this? Cross hatching Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's so bad. But then like yeah, like you know my dad would be like no, and then he would be like, call my mom. And then his mom would be like, it's fine. And then he'd like buy both of our copies. <laughs> so I'd end up getting them anyway, oh, which was really nice. But, but, um, but yeah, without that guy, I probably, you know, would be an entirely different person or it would have taken me longer to get there, I guess. One of the things I was really interested in 2005 is just, um, it doesn't feel linear. Mm-hmm. Like it's not stuck on being linear. No, uh, that's actually, wait, don't forget your train of thought, but I wanted to, 
add that was one thing about choosing the year as a title also that i should have like mentioned immediately when you asked about that um i like the idea so much of throwing you around in what actually could be a linear story because either way you're going to connect to all the different experiences Mm -hmm. and so just constantly like pounding that at you too and being like sometime in the future 2005 this time is not important the year maybe is important but the time is not important it can happen anytime you can all these experiences could happen to anybody in any order Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like they don't have to be in this order certain things you catch on like are influencing what's going on were you planning it out as a linear story and then cutting it up or Mm -hmm. you just no no uh i kind of uh my my scripting process was getting kind of weird in the at the job that I work. Um, it's like really physically taxing, mm-hmm. uh, but there are these long periods or what to me are long periods of time spent on elevators and enclosed rooms. And so I was carrying around these mini books that I was making out of the recycled paper at my job and writing down scripted like moments. That so does, I'd be like, that is another. Um, I can very much relate to that. I worked at a a bookstore loading trucks and I would have a, a sketchbook in my pocket all the time about the size of these stuff yeah. my books and I would actually wall myself off behind stacks of boxes and, and basically sit there and write out story ideas until someone came and found me and I started to pretend to work again. Exactly, yeah. I have this thing, yeah, where I'm doing that and then somebody mm-hmm. will enter that space and I'll just be like, here's this thing I'm putting away now yeah. or whatever. Like, it's, just, it's super, yeah, it's weird. It's, yeah, it's hard too because it's very like um, you can get addicted to it. So like, yeah. so like, you know what you are like saying in your mind. You're like, I'm gonna spend like five minutes getting this idea out and then like not get in trouble. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. There's then you're like, oh shit! Out. I just did this for thirty minutes. My lunch breaks <laughs> you would yeah. become ridiculous. I um, I had the opportunity. Are you familiar with Tomer Hanuka's work at all? Is Wait, who? Tomer Hanuka. He's no. A, he's a. Uh, Illustrators work on very fond of it, much stuff in New Yorker and uh, oh, I'm surprised I don't know that person by name. Um, yes, <laughs> it's like a whole string of teenagers lined up across the house. Oh, yes, is that weird? Uh, we'll, we'll oh, they're all meeting your sister. <laughs> okay. that's, that's a little weird. All right, you know, Mazel tov. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to an Ink Studs road trip. Yeah, yeah. um. I've lost my train of thought. Uh, sorry, yeah, <laughs> me too. Uh, you were you were trying to tell me about this New Yorker guy. Oh right, right. I had this experience where I was, um, where I was working at this bookstore, and I would sneak away in my lunch hour, and and had this uh, friend of mine who was a fantastic, who is a fantastic cartoonist and illustrator, and I would basically um, go to his place, and he would teach me Photoshop. Mm-hmm. While I was supposed to be having my like half an hour lunch break, and I'd come back several hours later and rely on the time, <laughs> and it was always getting away with something. And then, and then, and, and recently, people asked me like, "How do you like? I've got a day job. How do you stay excited about work?" Um, and it, for me, having a day job made me excited about work because there was always something to get away with. Yeah, is yeah. That, is that similar? At all to yeah, you yeah. I mean, I gotta be. I guess. Well, nobody there is ever gonna listen to this, but. Uh, they're they're all like really normal suburban uh-huh. suburban parents Don't that I work with. This on your Facebook. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sixes and sevens. But um, but yeah, they're totally like that. So like I, uh, yeah, my job has now become like just like a weird obstacle where it's like I hate being there, but at the same time, if I can like accidentally get paid to be like doing what I love, then that's awesome. Because mm-hmm. like, 
uh, yeah, like it ends up just being like, like what other weird place can I fit my body into to like <laughs> do this thing? Like, can I like cram myself in this cabinet and get this thing done for a minute? Can I like, can I make a full comic just riding an elevator? Is that uh-huh. possible? Like, <laughs> like it's awesome. Like the, it's like so amazing. And again, like the concepts of time travel that I think about all the time are like related to that where I'm just like, this is basically time travel. I'm supposed to be doing this job, but I'm like actually just writing an elevator and making a comic. Right. It's rad. But like, uh, but yeah, no, like before that I had a job in a photo lab. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, something crappy that makes the, makes the merit of the actual, task that you're supposed to getting paid for Mm -hmm. usually there's like a ultimate crash right you're like wait a minute this job is bullshit Mm -hmm. the thing that i'm doing is not only useless to humanity but humanity hates me Uh while i'm here (laughs) like like i should just do what feels right while i'm here and let these corrupt human beings pay me for it so like so i would you know then it just hurts them or whatever in some Uh way (laughs) ultimately (laughs) so then like So, you know, like, I was working in this photo lab, and it was really rewarding printing photos for people who were really wonderful, and that was awesome, but then ultimately I had this boss who didn't even live in the state that we were working in. He would show up, and he would be like, why aren't you selling cameras? And I'm like, because I'm a printer. Uh And he'd be like, you should also sell cameras. Make commission. And I was like, I don't need commission. You pay me to print photos. And he's like, why wouldn't you want commission? And I'm like, because I don't want to sell cameras. Right. Because I'm not a salesman. Because I'm not a jerk. <laughs> I have and mirrors he would in be my like, house, and sometimes I catch my own eye. And Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, it was just so weird having to explain this guy, this whole thing, this concept of, like, the money is not what's important. It's, yeah. like, yeah. like, what I'm doing or whatever. And mm-hmm. so, like, uh, so, like, I mean, you know, the money has to exist. I need to be paid, but I don't right. want to be paid to, like, trick people into buying things. It's right. fucked up. So, like, so ultimately, like, because we were lucky enough that he didn't live in the state, we would have this amazing setup. So I was working now with one roommate, mm-hmm. one best friend who is now my manager. Nice. And then, um, like, our collective other, like, super close friend. So there were four of us working every day together, and we would rotate one of us would be taking a nap. Mm-hmm. The other one of us would be lying on the floor drawing one of our works, like nice. a comic or whatever else. The other person was more of an illustrator. Uh-huh. The other one would be like printing off their own photos because they were a, reg- a, real, <laughs> yeah. a real wedding photographer. Oh, and then, like, if we weren't having to help a customer because there was no customers in there, then we'd just be like photographing stuff for fun or whatever because yeah, we could fantastic. process things for free. So you just you got, so good. you got a clubhouse that paid you to go. Yeah, it was yeah. awesome. I'm just reminded about, and I always keep throwing my own stories in these interviews, but I, oh, I was just okay. reminded of, um, I worked at a bar for a while. And mm-hmm. One time the owner of the bar was out of town because he would randomly stop by. And my friend, the bar, who's the bartender there, Filthy Rich, suddenly took it an opportunity as to close the door and lock it and turn all the lights off. And, and just hide whenever anyone knocked on the door to try to get into this bar. And we just watch Lord of the Rings DVDs on a tiny, tiny computer. Yes! Yeah, and that was, that was, that was such a great work day. More days like that. <laughs> yeah, right? That's brilliant. Oh my I don't God. know if I could watch Lord of the Rings again. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Of, I don't know if I could do that either. A lot of Harold and Kumar. Oh, man. <laughs> there we go. I'm done with that. I kind of feel like we should probably bring to a close. Oh, sure. Um, thank you, Sean, for so much for coming to the northeast of uh, Portland and dodging the bullets. Bullet oh, yeah, yeah, bullet. I know. As we were doing the interview, the bullet-ridden car has been covered by a 
um, something, a sheet. Whoa, wait, is the police photographer gone now, too? Yeah, all the yeah. cops are gone. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, that, made my, that made my girlfriend super nervous. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing yeah. here? Yeah. Uh, Talk about comics? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Reminder, folks, this comic is 2005, which you can see part of on Study yeah, Group Study as well. Group, and then... Uh, there's actually quite a bit of it, too, just on my regular Tumblr, which I think is Sean Christensen, ABT, uh, dot Tumblr dot com or whatever. What is the awesome ABT for? Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> <All right. laughs> Thank you so much, Sean. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you.